I say it with a lot of love, but if you are not finding the type of relationships and you're not meeting the type of people that you actually want to be with, um, the common denominator there is you. And so to look at where might I still be hiding or where might I still be unavailable or where might I be blocking this in my energy? Katie, Katie, let it out. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Katie Dalebaugh. I am the host of Let It Out With Me. And you just heard from Elizabeth Dialto, who is the guest on today's show. And I'm going to get right into our interview. We have a very tangential conversation. We talk about body image. We talk about femininity. We talk a lot about her work and relationships. So this intro won't be long. I just want to make a couple announcements. And first of all, if you are listening to this the time it comes out, I will be in Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Ontario, this coming weekend. On Saturday, let's hang out. I'm recording a live episode of this podcast, the second time I've ever done that ever, but I want to do more. I want to come to your city. I want to go to all sorts of cities, but first of all, I'm going to be in Toronto. And well, second of all, I recorded my first one in New York City a couple of months ago, And now I'm going back to Toronto to hang out with my two BFFs in Toronto. I visited them last summer and I've been itching to go back because I had such a great time with the guests on next week's live podcast, Nikki, who is a YouTube star. She is your health nut, health nut nutrition on YouTube, and my friend Davida, who is the healthy maven. She's a blogger. And they're both really, really cool. And I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation, be part of our conversation, because we're going to be doing live audience Q&A. And it's just going to be a great time. So that's really the biggest announcement I have. I don't have a mini interview at the end of this episode, but stick around to the end because I will come back to let you know who's coming up on the show next week. But in the meantime, I hope you guys join the private Facebook group where you can meet other people who listen to the podcast and we can all hang out there and discuss everything we talk about here. And I share a lot of things there, like my latest vlog is on there, and also sign up for my email list. And if you want to support the show, if you want to help the show, if you listen every week and you find value in this, please share it with a friend. That's one way. Also, you can donate. I haven't promoted that in a while, but that would be cool to donate. The link to that is in the show notes. You can shop through our Amazon link. That always helps. But really, what helps the most, well, equally to the other things, is leaving a review on iTunes. I know it seems silly, and I know every single podcast you listen to probably asks, and if they don't ask, they're probably too cool to ask. So I, you know what, but I am asking, so it would be really cool. And if you've left one already, so many of you have, and it just means the world to me. I read every single one of them. You don't even have to write anything. If you just go in and give me some stars, that would be super cool. And subscribe. That really helps as well. It helps bring more people to the show. It helps me find cool people to come on the show. And it just is a win-win for all. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. And in the meantime, enjoy this episode with Elizabeth. And I will see you guys at the end where I tell you who's coming up on the show next week and Yeah, hopefully I'll see you in Toronto really soon. (laughs) 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to be talking to an awesome lady I've gotten to know over the past couple of months who's doing amazing things for all women. Elizabeth D'Alto is in Wonderland, and many of you know Elizabeth, and so you know you're in for a wild conversation. She mm-hmm. is known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality, which I love, and she's the founder of Wild Soul Movement and the author of the new book, Untame Yourself, and we're going to get into all of that today. She also hosts an amazing podcast, The Wild Soul Woman, which you should totally listen to because it's amazing, and she's a teacher, (laughs) a leader, a speaker, a coach, a trainer. She's just amazing, and I'm so excited to be talking to you, Elizabeth, so thank you so much for coming to The Wellness Wonderland. Thank you. I love uh, – it's very rare that I, I speak with people who are, like, just as enthusiastic about my work as I am. <laughs> you found me. I'm your biggest fan. So Amazing. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast lately and really loving um, – Everything from your train of truth, which I hope goes by during our conversation today. Um, Probably will. And it's this train that for people who are new to Elizabeth, it's a train that lives lives or is <laughs> outside of her um, house. And it goes by during her podcast sometimes. And it's usually or it's always when she's about to say something like really great. And the timing, that's why that. people joke. Like I didn't even call it train of truth. Like other people started being like, oh, my it's God, so it's like. Like the trade of truth. And my partner, Michael, who does similar work that I do with women, with men, same thing. Like his people, it's the same. It's just the trade of truth. I love it. I love it. That is so cool. So um, I wanted to, you know, ask you, you always ask the same question to start to your guests when they come on the show. So I wanted to turn that to you and ask you, (laughs) what do you love most about being a woman? I love it. Have you always loved being a woman and how did you become such a cheerleader for, for womanhood? Oh, cool. All right. So we'll go. Yeah. I always Sorry. That was a lot. I'll answer that first. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. Um, no, I didn't actually. I was a huge tomboy growing up when I was a little girl. Uh, around the second grade, I, I decided I was never going to wear a skirt again because when you're eight, like that's the ultimate emblem of rebelling against womanhood. Right. <laughs> I will not wear a skirt. Um, and I played sports and, and I just I just remember thinking that it would be so much easier to just be a boy. And and I, I really I just I played sports and so in the schoolyard at like recess at school, I'd be playing like the pickup basketball, I'd be the quarterback in the two hand touch football game, like I wore baseball caps all the time. Oh, I wow. just and but but the irony was that I developed physically at a very young age. Like I got my period for the first time when I was ten. Uh, I already had C cups uh, by the time I was twelve. So I was very much a woman at a very young age. Uh, but I was still really rebelling against it until until high school. Then I started to embrace it a little bit more. But um, but but truthfully, no. Like I didn't really enjoy being a woman until my twenties. And I had always, you know, it's really interesting. I had always really had a desire to dance. And when I was very young, like three or four or something, uh, my mom had taken me to dancing school. But it was like a, a ballet, like a type of a little more strict. Mm-hmm. And my friend Jillian and I, literally as like three-year-olds, got asked to leave because we giggled too much. <laughs> so like my wild soul was always a thing. 
And uh, when I was little, growing up my family, they kind of just, they let me do whatever I want and they encouraged that. But a lot of like cultural things didn't. Like you go to a ballet class and they want you to be like strict and regimented. So I wasn't really welcome there. And um, I didn't realize how that affected me until actually really just within the last few years. So my mid-20s, you know, part of my uh, descent is Puerto Rican. It's part of my family. And I was like, God, I've always wanted to dance. I've always wanted to like try salsa or something. So I took salsa lessons. And then at the time, I was still a personal trainer and fitness instructor. So I became a Zumba instructor. And that was like kind of a beginning the beginning to my awakening of like really coming into like my feminine side and and enjoying not just being a woman but being in a woman's body and no longer looking at it or experiencing it as an enormous inconvenience or this like uh, source of unwanted attention Mm. that I should turn off or cover up if I didn't want to have attention because really I mean I, I do I have like that Puerto Rican booty I've had big breasts like the fifth grade. And so, I mean, I even had a friend tell me once I was wearing like an Argyle sweater and my friend was like, you're like the only person I know who could make Argyle look sexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm not even trying. Like I didn't want to, you right. know, it was just like literally the shape of my body. So, um, yeah, but God, now my body is my favorite part about being a woman. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love the curves. I love the beauty. Um, this year, uh, since I'm not traveling as much, uh, the thing I really wanted to get into for a while is pole dancing and exotic dancing and burlesque and things like that. Like the very, very like sexy to the extent of being like filthy, like dirty dancing. That's what I've been wanting to do. And so I'm about two or three weeks in now and I've been going to like 10 classes a week. And oh, wow, I. That's a lot. Multiple sound- classes a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go to like three at a time. Because there will be like a flexibility class and then the pole class or like the abs and the flexibility and then like the dancing. And, and it's just it just kind of feels like going to a couple workshops nice. a week. And and I love it. I love it because I never I think this is me now finally getting that experience of what it's like to be a dancer. Right. Because if right. I if I grew up dancing, I probably would have done that danced for several hours a day. So um, I, I love it. And, and the thing that I love about it is not just the movement and my own sensuality, but um, women are so beautiful. Women in all shapes, sizes, and women who are not afraid to express themselves and be feminine and be sexy, it just blows me away, like brings me to tears sometimes. It's like, you're in a pole dancing class. Why are you crying, Liz? Are you hurt? And I'm like, no, it's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what I love. I love my body. I love movement. I love all the different ways that we get to and can express ourselves as women. I love that. That's so great. You're actually the second person I was interviewing someone yesterday who was really into pole dancing. And now this is like, I'm going to have to look it up and try it because I think dance needs to be part of my life too. I think it's such a great tool to help you embrace your femininity, which is so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And like, and there's so many kinds of dance though, right? Like I, I have a friend who's like, I'm going to a jazz class, want to come? And I was like, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. So, you know, so for people, dance can be super expressive, but just remember that there's like so many different kinds and what one person like loves and raves about might not necessarily vibe for you. And that's cool. Like keep trying until you find the thing you love, if that's your thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great point. It's just like, you know, with eating food or with fitness of any kind, Luckily, there's lots of different kinds, and you can find what works for you, and what works for you might not work for me, and so on. Yeah. So, 
totally super cool um all right well the first time i found you you were actually on someone else's podcast and the entire time i was like flipping out and i couldn't be (laughs) i couldn't like fully enjoy the interview because I was just like I need to have her on my podcast I need to have her on my podcast <laughs> like that's all I, and I had to like listen to like re-listen to parts because like I wasn't listening I like, whose show is it on Alex Jameson's show oh cool yeah and one thing that you spoke about you talked in this interview about how you're the daughter of a mother who put everyone else first and yeah. you ha- really had to put some extra effort into not being that way yourself and I related to that so much and I would love if you could speak about that and maybe give some tips to people who are in similar situations of kind of deprogramming that yeah and that's the right word it's deprogramming so um in my book which is called untame yourself reconnect to the lost art power and freedom of being a woman this is one of the chapters there's a whole chapter um early in in the book uh, called You Come First. And and the thing is, because this, ha- this comes up in my work all the time, so many women are operating from a place of being really depleted, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, all different kinds of ways, um, because they don't know how to like set boundaries or they don't know how to nourish themselves and nourish other people. Um, and also for so many of us, we were really kind of led to believe that that's where our value is in taking care of other people. There's this amazing, oh my God, I just found it last week. I just shared it last week, but I think it's been around much longer than that interview with Jada Pinkett Smith answering the question, how hard is it to be a wife and a mother? Mm. And she articulates this so beautifully. Um, So I hope everyone will find that because I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. I'm not a mother. But I work with so many moms. I'm always very careful not to like give mothers advice about being a mother because I am not. Um, however, I think this is what I said on Alex's show too. Being the daughter of a mother who put everyone else first, I just see the ramifications mm-hmm. in my own life of having to deprogram and recondition and like upload a new operating system of putting myself first. Because often we think that that is selfish well, I can't do that. Well, I have all these obligations. But the problem is when you are giving and nurturing or nourishing or taking care of others from a depleted place, it's not actually that great. It's not as great as you think it is anyway. And it also really breeds resentment and in some cases really breeds illness. Like a lot of people could even have like very, very healthy habits and lifestyles and still get sick or still get cancer and still get these these funky diseases or disorders and you're like, how is that possible? They're so healthy. Maybe they're like healthy in the physical realm, but if your emotional health isn't clean, um, it's a problem and it really festers a lot of other things. And so putting ourselves first and just like having some boundaries or just getting some support and being willing to ask people like, hey, like I just need a couple hours to myself. If that means hiring a babysitter or if that means telling someone no or canceling an appointment, like I cancel, like something I'm really doing this year is giving myself a lot more space so I can say yes to more things that I actually want to say yes to instead of saying yes to too many things and then having to cancel stuff when it's like the day before and I'm like, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, Because something I absolutely won't do is I won't push myself. I won't force myself to do something when my whole body is screaming no. 
And a lot of women still do that. In fact, I had a webinar scheduled two weeks ago. We had 335 people scheduled for a webinar, and I canceled it the hour before wow. because I really didn't feel well. And I, one of the reasons why it was so last minute is because I thought I could like take a nap, take an Advil, and like my headache would go away and I would feel better. But like I wasn't. I felt nauseous. I like I felt so awful. And I very rarely feel that way. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I just really need to take care of myself. And I think it was just a test, right? Because I think, you know, if I'm going to dare to teach something, right. I'm constantly going to be tested in it to make sure that I'm like staying ahead of the curve, meaning that I'm always at least a couple steps ahead of the women that I'm teaching. Right. And so I sent everyone that was registered and I posted on social media too in case people were going to tune in last minute like, hey, you guys, um, I very, I will very rarely ever do anything like this, but I need to cancel this webinar because I really do not feel well. And, and it would be enormously hypocritical of me who teaches listen to your body, honor your body to push myself through how shitty I – oh, sorry. I didn't know if I can no, curse here. No, fine. Cool. How crappy I feel. And I'm like, if you're pissed, I totally understand. Like this is a last-minute cancellation. I got dozens of messages from people that were like, thank you so much for setting an example for all yeah. of us. Like, thank you so much for honoring yourself. Like, this is a new paradigm for women. Mm-hmm. It really is because a lot of us would just push through and then feel 10 times worse. And so all I did that night, I got um, – I see um, I see a friend I do. It's called a network spinal analysis. I got a, a quick treatment, a quick little tune-up. And ate a really great dinner. I was in bed early. And the next day I was good as new because I made that choice and because I took care of myself versus I'm sure I would have felt crappy for days if I had pushed through. Um, So so it's it's that kind of stuff. Um, And I share that story to also give you the proof. So many of us think that we're letting people down or we're disappointing people when really we would just be setting a phenomenal example for others. Yeah, you were probably teaching more by not having the webinar and just leading by example and being the example than even by teaching the webinar. That was your teaching. That was exa- – yeah, I'm telling you. And I was I was shocked actually at how many messages we got of people being like, oh my god, thank you so much. It's That's cool. That's so great. I love that. Another thing that I've heard and that you – mentioned in this um, podcast I was referring to that I originally found you in is you said this great quote um, that is from Kyle Cease, the comedian and spiritual guy, and um, it really landed with me, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And this is when I was really like, she needs to come on the podcast. <laughs> and he says, you are what you love, not what loves you. Yes. And you went on to say that many of us are operating by what loves us, which is reactionary. And that's what I wrote down in my notes from that podcast. So could you talk a little bit more about that and break that down for us once again here? Yeah. You know, it's so funny you bring this up because I forgot about that. Mm. That was such a – so Kyle Cease, what a cool dude, using his platform as a stand-up comedian to now be a spiritual teacher, but keeping his roots in comedy to teach in a way that just like feels so good. Because like my beef with a lot of spirituality right now and self-help is like people just take themselves way too seriously. Sure do. Um, And the more that you could just like kind of relax about things, the easier it's all going to be. So um, yeah, he said that and it was like, damn. So 
whether or not you have any kind of platform on the internet or any kind of business of your own or anything, I really firmly believe uh, that we are all teachers and we are all leaders because we're constantly teaching people how to treat us by the example we set and by how we treat ourselves. And we're constantly setting examples. Uh, my coach, uh, my coach last year, Jesse Elder, he said something. Oh, what was it? It was like you're either uh, you're a, either an example or you're a warning. <laughs> mm, I love that too. And that's super true. And so um, we all really, if you just take responsibility for how powerful you are, even just as you move through the day, as you come into contact with other people you realize how important it is to take responsibility for your experience. Look, your train is coming. Yes. <laughs> yes, and this is an important point. Drum roll. So that's what it is for you. Here it is, the train of truth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what you love, not what loves you. So we react all the time. We And, and I love another friend of mine, Denise Duffield-Thomas, uh, Oh, she's great. She's great. I interviewed her a while ago for the show. And one of the things that she says, she's like, I don't read any of my email. I don't read my fan mail and I don't read my hate mail. Because if I'm going to get all inflated by my fan mail, then I have to also get all like demoralized by my hate mail because either either, either none of it's true or all of it's true. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Like I can't just look at the good stuff and be like, oh, yeah, people love me without looking at the bad stuff and being like, okay, well, maybe there's some good feedback for me there. That's all reactionary. I have to just be solid in who I am. Mm. I have to make my choices based on like what feels really good and what feels really true and what feels really right to me, not based on the reactions of others. And so like in business, for example, you know, to a certain extent, yeah, it helps to like survey our people and see like, you know, you have a podcast. I always am paying attention to what are the episodes people download and listen to the most? Cool. Let me do more of that because clearly people want it. Um, maybe what are some of the ones that aren't as popular? Great. That's not something I need to talk about as much. That makes sense to take into consideration. But still, if I want to have a conversation, I'm going to have a conversation. You know what I mean? I'm not totally reacting all the time to other people's feedback or to the external world or external validation. I really, really believe that we have to be sourced from within and our resources primarily have to come from inside, not from outside, because that's just like... We're going to live our whole lives chasing that external thing mm. um, and making choices that aren't true and that aren't in alignment for us. And that's when things are like really hard and really discouraging when we are always reacting that way or chasing things. Wow, that's so cool. I love that interpretation. And it's funny because you applied it more in this context to creativity and, you know, which I relate to a lot and like building an audience and you know, we're all kind of curating something online. And, and so that is wonderful and so valuable. But when I first heard it, I actually associated it in the way of thinking, and maybe it was because I, I think I was home um, for the holiday. I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, I associated it to, I am not what, who loves me. Like I'm not necessarily what I came from what my family oh. is, even though I love them and they're great, but like I can be different and I can have my own set of um, choices and things that I like and things that I'm into and I can be different and I 
where I come from doesn't necessarily define me, but what I love and what I'm into and what inspires me. So it kind of like what inspires you is what you are is really the way that I took it that time. Oh, cool. So isn't that interesting? There can, can kind of be two different interpretations of it. There, I and mean, actually there could probably be millions of right, more interpretations right, right. of it. So I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. So um, kind of off that, that same vein, I think you might have mentioned this, but Danielle Laporte, who I know you, you know as well, um, talks about how there's this epidemic of people who are not fully living their lives until after their parents die, which for most of us, if we're lucky, half our lives are over when that happens. So what advice do you have to women who are limiting themselves in some ways, even if unconsciously, because of a dynamic with their parents and something that they might not even be aware of, kind of like what we were speaking about originally with, you know, growing up with mothers who give everything and having to really pave our own way and all of that, I guess. You came to the right place with this question, girl. <laughs> nice. Um, so if you find on my blog, there's a post called Getting Naked and Falling in Love. Um, this was the beginning. So in 2013, I wrote that post, but that post was three years in the making. Wow. Uh, 32 months. And the reason I didn't post it originally is because my mom flipped out. And at the time, in 2011, when I originally wanted to write that blog post and share, I had, it was about uh, the experience of doing a boudoir photo shoot. So it would have meant posting like a half-naked picture of myself on my blog. And at the time, I just checked in with my mom. And what I thought was checking in was really asking for permission. Right. And when she flipped out, I folded. And that, that affected me for those three years. And then finally, when I came to the place of being like, sorry, mom, I didn't ask her. I didn't say anything. I posted the blog, and then I told her. And um, she still was quite upset, but she dealt with it. You know, and it was actually so funny because months and months later afterwards, um, my little brother, because he still is at home with my family, <laughs> told me one morning, she was just like in the kitchen and she was like, does your sister still have that effing picture on her website? Like, <laughs> but the thing is this, um, at a certain point, and, and, and everyone's experience is different, but it was like, listen, the people who love you most in the world are always going to be there regardless of the choices you make if they really do love you. Yeah. And and whether that's your parents, it sounds like maybe like a harsh thing, but the fact is if people can't find a way, even if they don't support it, but if people can't get to a place of agree to disagree, that's a problem. Um, and so, yeah, she totally doesn't agree. My dad doesn't agree sometimes with the things that I do and say and share on the internet. They certainly, my, my boyfriend is way more intense with the things he talks about, like sex and God and religion, like all these things, everything they tell you not to talk about, you know? Yeah, and, which are like um, my favorite things to talk about. Me too, you know? And so, and they, they're like, I just don't get why you have to share so much personal information. And I'm like, you know, here's, every once in a while I'll take a screenshot of like a testimonial or like an email from someone that's like, oh my God, thank you so much for giving me permission or thank you so much for like, and I'm like, this is why, this is why. Yeah, I think part of that's like a generational thing maybe too. Big time. Yeah, because like, so the internet is like this new wild beast and also, you know, I don't know about you, but for my parents, a lot of it is like, they're, they, for years, were like legitimately worried that I was going to have a stalker. Like oh my gosh! Thing. I know. That's what I, they like, is was your address happen. on there? How yeah, are they yeah, going to yeah. like? They're going to steal totally. your identity. My mom's That's still. Right. Yeah. That's totally. right. And it's like you know what? I just I can't. <laughs> Their generation is a lot more fear based as yeah. well. 
I just can't live in fear of what might happen. I have to go on again, and this has a lot to do with like what I teach, getting out of your head and into your body. When I'm really connected to myself, when I'm listening to like the voice of my soul, not just like the monkey mind voice of my of my head or my ego, and I'm making choices based on that, I can't mess up. I just can't. Even if something unpleasant happens, great. That's what I needed to deal with. You know, I really just firmly believe that. My friend Hal Elrod, I love it. He says, I accept life before it happens. And that's how I live. And so, um, yeah, they might be really upset. Like I've had weeks of like not talking to my mom or of having to have really tough, very courageous conversations. And every time we are closer afterwards and she constantly impresses me. And the thing is, that might not be your experience. Your parents or family or whomever might not be open-minded or might not be willing to like meet you where you are or agree to disagree. And if that's the case, then you just get to make choices around what boundaries you want to have with them and how much or what are what you want to be the parameters around your interaction with them, you know? You know, I moved to California. I'm life co- lifetime, lifelong East Coaster, and I moved to California in 2013. So I've been here for three years. Having that space with my family was critical for me because they miss me so much that that's really what allows them to look over some of the times they probably would give me crap about what I'm doing or talking about on the internet because they don't care. They just miss me, you know, and yeah. they love me and they want to be around me. So, so, so my advice is really. First of all, it's not even about picking your battles. Just be certain about what your battles are. You have to be solid in knowing who you are and what you stand for before you're going to even like go into battle because that's what it feels like. I'm not even being dramatic. It does feel like a battle sometimes with the people you love and being like, hey, it's kind of – I think the root of it is really unconditional acceptance. If I'm willing and I do accept people exactly as they are, then I'm certainly going to cultivate more of that from the people around me. And for me, if someone's not willing to accept me the way I am and agree to disagree, then that's not going to be a relationship that lasts very long in my life. So um, there's a good amount in there about knowing who you are, being grounded into yourself and like trusting yourself, and then having boundaries with people around how how you interact with them and how they're how they can treat you or speak to you or you know, yeah. express everyone's entitled to their own experience. People don't have to agree with you, but they do need to just like respect your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I think boundaries is the huge thing here. And that's something that I have been working with and, and something that my coach brought up with me when I was really struggling with a lot of that stuff is she said, you know, at a certain point, you you're for you to live your life fully and not hold yourself back you're going to have to hurt it's going to feel like you're hurting them but really that's right. and that's so hard for me and so uncomfortable for me that I'm like oh, I rather just not even live my life and then yeah. everyone be happy right and that's like the but ultimate disservice to exactly to yourself and to humanity and to and, them and I want to hone in on what you just said yes and to them Because the thing is this, the highest form of integrity is to honor yourself. And one of the ways that we really honor ourselves is to allow other people to have their own experience. That's like ultimate freedom. But it it is, like you said, use the word uncomfortable. It's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. When you're used to, like many of us are, our whole lives, trying to make other people feel better 
or try to make other people comfortable or bending and twisting ourselves into a pretzel so that, you know, somebody else could be comfortable. Once you stop doing that, yeah, it's super uncomfortable for you and the people around you. And it will sometimes feel like you're hurting people. But the thing is this, like we can't hurt other people. We can make choices that other people will react. Their feelings might be hurt. They might be uncomfortable. But um, that's their choice to feel that way. And then that's also, that then becomes another choice that they get to make how they deal with their own feelings, right? And it's it's not about um, being cruel or not being kind. But if I'm really honoring myself and I'm like serving the world the way I want to serve or showing up how I want to show up, for someone to ask me to be different so they can feel better, that is not okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so – it's – it's so powerful that we having these conversations because I think we just don't out of fear and we don't, a lot of this is really unconscious. Like I had to really realize what was going on of like, Oh, this is why I'm not, you know, making the big grand choices I want to make in my life, like a big move or, you know, a job change or, you know, something big without waiting for seeking approval that I'm never going to get, you know, I I had an experience where, you know, I was um, wanting to like make this big life choice. And I was like, it has to be my mom's idea, like big fat Greek wedding style. And like, I realized that like, that it's never, she's never going to like, have that be her idea. She's never going to be like, I think that you should move across the country because she's never going to want that for me because right. she wants me to be close, of course. And like, that's such a great, beautiful thing. And so I have to just stop making, trying to ever make that happen and just make the choices for my life. And by doing so, it will empower her to be like, what I've realized with that relationship in particular is the more that I empower myself to take care of myself and be self-sufficient on my own and and not that I don't need her, but I need her in a different way than I did when I was a child. And the more that I show that and show that I'm okay, I'm not, I don't need money, I don't need you to take care of me, I am a fully functioning human being, it allows her to take care of herself, which for so long she had to put myself and others above herself. So yes. it's such a great, it's it's a win-win, even though it doesn't feel like that at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's good to have this conversation. So speaking, continuing to speak about women, something big that you teach is um, connecting women to pleasure and sexuality. So how is that so important for women and how does your work with Wild Soul Movement help people to do that? You know what's so funny? People, um, I get asked all the time about like pleasure and sexuality and it's not really something I ever actually intend to teach but it's just such a byproduct of connecting to the body because it's such a source of shame for women and discomfort and and trauma, actually. I never realized until a couple years ago how many women have some kind of background of like sexual trauma. Mm. And so uh, the reason why this comes up so much in my work is because a lot of people have no context for sensuality, sensuality with an S in case it's hard to hear, um, and sexuality. A lot of people don't have context for sensuality on its own, not related to sexuality. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like there's so much pleasure and like 
ability to be turned on available to us in our bodies that has nothing to do with sex, but it is so enormously like enjoyable and what makes being a woman so freaking fun. Like like smells and scenes like I was talking about, like appreciating the beauty of women in my pole dancing classes. Like I, it wasn't until a couple years ago when I started doing this work either that I fully understood that saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, mm. right? Oh, train of truth is coming mm-hmm. through again. You got two. <laughs> of course. I think we're going to get even more. Keep you really going. wanted it. You get what you want, girl. So, um, yeah, just like I learned this uh, technique in a Martha Beck book called Finding Your Way in a Wild New World called Sense Drenching. And uh, it's really just activating as many of your senses as possible at once and, and realizing like, oh, my God, because you hear a lot of people talking about being present or living in the moment. Well, how do we do that mm-hmm. when most of our minds are running like 100 miles an hour? Yeah. Easiest way to do it is engage your senses because if I'm focusing on what I feel – any smells, what I'm looking at, anything I hear, like I'm so present in my senses, I can't be all up in my head. And so it makes sense naturally that once we're super solid in sensuality, just like in general, and allowing ourselves to find more simple pleasures around us all the time, that yeah, of course we're going to enjoy sex and the body and those types of things more. So even in, my, even in my book under one of the embodiment practices, I put masturbation. I just can't believe for how many years I lived. Um, like I've literally been masturbating since I was in like the, the sixth grade or something. And, but you just don't talk about it. You don't talk about it because it's like this, this shameful thing. And, um, but boys could talk about it. Boys could talk about jerking off all the time. But like women denied it and they just lied. Like I just knew. We were all lying all the time, right, by like denying that it was right. the thing that was happening. Um, instead of being, instead of like openly talking about it and like, what is the experience and like actually learning about sexual energy and how, you know, if you have any knowledge or connection to, or practice around the chakra system, you know, that, that sacral chakra, the second chakra, um, is where your sexual energy lives. Well, that's also your creativity. That's also like your money chakra. So like, there's all these connections between sexual energy and creativity and self-expression and finances and wealth and things like that. So um, because our society really like demonizes sex and so many of us are brought up in some kind of like religious upbringing, there's nothing wrong with religion if that's your thing. But if it has you feeling all super ashamed of sex and then you like avoid it, um, you're really missing out on all kinds of benefits that come with being comfortable with sexual energy and expression in a safe way. And I think that's the most important thing. It has to feel safe, super, super, super safe. So that's why I think developing a relationship to sensuality and then allowing that to open you up to the sexuality because it's just another form, right? It's a different kind of sensuality. Uh, it's, it's a really fun exploration, but it's super individual for people. Yeah. I'm so glad that you shared all of that because I think it, like you said, it's so important, but people don't even realize how important it is. And we haven't talked about it for mo- most of our lives that it's great to have in these conversations, which is great that we brought it up. So something that really prevents people from 
getting to that point a lot of times is body image. And on the show, we talk about body image a lot. And it's my biggest struggle and how I came to this work. And I know you've struggled with it as well and helped people and helped yourself move through that process. So I would love if you could talk about your relationship to your body now and how that looks different um, than it did before. And and also, where does wanting to look a certain way and feel a certain way in your body fit into deep body image work and self-love work? Yeah. So I used to be a personal trainer and I was always super athletic growing up. And so um, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in my physical body and the appearance of my physical body. Um, when I stopped being a personal trainer and when I started doing more of this work, actually since since like 2012, 2013, I gained a bunch of weight. And um, for a while, it didn't really bother me. And then it really bothered me for a little bit. And I got some feedback from my partner around my body. Uh, I did a podcast episode about that. What do you do when your partner like says things about not being attracted to your body? It's like demoralizing. And um, it's super interesting. It's super, it's been super interesting to navigate my own feeling, my own experience in my own body, and then the external feel, feedback of the outside world of like what the body is supposed to look like or, you know, even a partner being like, I don't, this isn't what I want. And you're like, oh, well, crap, I love it. And so it was really interesting to separate myself from the external view and what I thought it was supposed to look like and that former identity and being like, damn, I just love this body. And, and so engaging in my own wild soul movement practice of, of, of feeling in the senses and realizing that my body is always communicating my inner wisdom to me through my senses and, and loving, really just coming to love my body as like a trusted guide is what really helped me kind of get over the physical stuff. But then at the same time, I did get to acknowledge that like, yeah, I would prefer to be in like, quote, better shape than I am right now. But not necessarily because I'm like dieting or working out, but because I'm moving and I'm taking care of myself in ways that like feel really good to me. So for example, even in my like two, two and a half weeks that I've been doing pole dancing, I lost eight pounds. Um, which is like kind of like just a cool side effect to the fact that like I'm having so much fun and I'm really like my body's just happy because I think our bodies communicate with us. Like weight isn't necessarily just about, you know, what you're putting in your mouth. Sometimes it's about what's coming out of your mouth. How are you thinking? How are you talking to yourself? What's your language like? Are you being positive or negative, loving and compassionate, scared and worried all the time? I think those things really affect our hormones and our nervous system and stuff like that. So it's it's not just about like the woo-woo emotional spiritual stuff, but it's also like physiologically and scientifically, like those things make a difference on our systems. So um, yeah, like the overall health of a body, of course, um, the outsides reflecting what's going on in the inside as well. Um, and even the, the, the aspect of protection. So if you guys talk about body image all the time, I'm sure you've talked about this before, but um, you know, if you're in unstable experiences in your life, whatever they are, or if you've had some kind of traumatic experience where you don't feel safe, like, yeah, like your body might put on some weight to protect you. And so for me, I think as I've come out in the world and my business, I'm super visible. Like I'm online everywhere. Like I talk about my personal life. I think sometimes, I think some of the weight I put on was protection of like an unconscious fear of being that visible and being that exposed. Um, and also sometimes spiritual growth 
you know, if you're really in the process of improving yourself and connecting to yourself and, and awakening um, and evolving consciously, sometimes we get ungrounded. And in order to stay grounded, we gain weight to like keep us on the ground, you know, mm. to keep us here on earth and not just up in the realms of like magic and spirit and whatever unicorns and fairy dust, however people want to talk about things. And so there's just like everything. It's multifaceted. There's so many layers to it. Um, but when that deep, deep love comes from inside, the most important thing is that you're just making choices that are aligned for you. And so for myself, and like balance is not equilibrium. So as connected to my body as I have been in the last few years, my life was out of balance in the sense of I was really very mission driven. I rebranded, I created Wild Soul Movement. I was so focused on getting this message out in the world and really getting the platform in a solid place that um, my self-care practices just weren't enough to handle the capacity of like the, the work I was doing in the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Can you, I loved everything that you shared there. And I know you said you have a podcast about this and I'll definitely link to it, but could you share maybe a little bit about what happened um, with your partner and how you handled that situation? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were playing a game, and I put game in air quotes, called What I Judge About You, What That Says About Me. I don't recommend this game. We're both coaches, so and, and we're, we're both like the type of people that are like constantly pushing our growth edges. And this was just like a little too much. Um, and one of the things he said, what I judge about you, I feel like you could be in better shape than you are. What that says about me is I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a little vain or, or whatever. And I just remember just being really hurt. You know, like yeah. I just didn't, I was like, damn. And then the thing is, this everything's a choice. I just, I took it really personally and it took me a really long time, like a year and a half to work through that. And, and I really believe, um, again, like I said earlier around things like you're going to constantly be tested in the things that you teach. So if I'm teaching body love and self-acceptance, guess what? I am going to be rigorously tested in my own body love and my own yeah. self-acceptance. And so, you know, for me, and I think probably for most women, your partner, whether it's a man or a woman, is probably the person you care the most of whether or not they're attracted to you. So to be in a space where like your partner says something like that, uh, it was like really painful. And what was cool though, and I'm glad I talked about it because I didn't realize how often this happens. And I had women open up to me about like, had someone tell me that her husband told her like, if you gain any more weight, I'll leave you. You know, it makes me, it makes me angry. Like who the fuck do you think you are to people, right? Like how yeah. dare you? But at the same time, like if that's coming up, like there just is some truth and there just is some medicine there, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't um, taking as great care of myself as I could have been. I got super lazy around food. When I was a personal trainer, so it was different because now that my, my work is like body love and self-acceptance, it's not so much about looking a certain way. It's about feeling a certain way. And I felt great. But then I was like, oh, you know, maybe I am a little out of alignment here because I was. I kind of got into this little emotional eating habit that I hadn't had before. And so I think I really got called into these experiences so I could know what they felt like. Because having been someone who was in shape my whole life, I never knew what it was like to be out of shape. I never knew what it was like to not be like pretty sexy. And then all of a sudden I just wasn't anymore. And I was like, whoa, this is different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so many of the women that come to me 
have those experiences or like they are overweight. So, so now I know what that has felt like. And, and the most important thing was um, kind of like, have you ever had, have you had Sarah Jenks on the show? No, I haven't. Um, so Sarah's a good friend of mine and we talk about this and I love like even her like live more way less philosophy is like don't wait on the wait. It's like right. I can't not be living my life. I can't not go to a party because I, I don't have anything in my closet that I want to wear. Like I can't whatever. Like I still get to go, oh, well, you know, if people don't think I'm attractive, there's still like a million things about myself that I could love about myself that have nothing to do with what anyone else thinks. Um, so it's about cultivating that inner feeling. So what's been cool about it is if I could love myself, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight, I could really love myself when like that's not an issue anymore. So uh, yeah, it just called me into a lot more of, well, what can I appreciate my body for? Um, and for me, the primary thing was, yeah, like that's this, my body is like the house of my soul. Yeah. You know? So um, I get to tap into my inner wisdom. I get to move. I get to feel. I get to have org orgasms. I get to have all these experiences, and um, which is cool. And I think that's one of the things that has led me to pole dancing. I wanted to be able to move in a way that like turns me on and like feels so good and is so enjoyable and doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. Um, and I got to a point with working out that just felt like a chore. Like I couldn't even force myself to lift weights anymore. And like I mentioned earlier, I just don't believe in forcing myself to do things. So yeah, I, that was a big journey I got led on because I had to find peace in a couple places where I was out of alignment. And even as a leader and a teacher, like we're always, we're always going to be led to those places so we could improve or grow or get better at something. Like no one's in alignment 24-7. And if anyone tells you they are, be, be careful. Yeah. It's just not how life works. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I heard recently this quote about exercise where they said, the best exercise for you is the kind that you'll do. That's right. <laughs> and that's right. And that's it. End of story. The kind that you'll go. I, I was having a lot of like, I found this exercise that I really enjoy. And I was like, oh, I should be doing something harder. I should be doing something more challenging because this was, it's not, it's not easy for me when I'm in it, but it's easy enough that I enjoy it and I want to go and I want to wake up early in the morning and, and do it before work and I enjoy it. Whereas if it was like a boot camp class or something at, at 8 a.m., I don't, or earlier than that, I wouldn't be excited to get out of bed and feel okay doing that. And maybe I do need to challenge myself a little bit more, but also maybe it's good that I'm at least doing something consistently. So I think just being gentler with ourselves all around. And it's so great that you took that feedback from your partner in, in such a great way. It seems like you guys have a really healthy relationship. Was it easy to have a conversation and a dialogue with him about how you were feeling in, in that situation? Um, well, no, only because like my feelings were so hurt for so long. Yeah. So like, yeah, it was, it was easy in the sense that I, I, I didn't have any hesitation about having the conversations, whereas a lot of people probably wouldn't even want to talk about it. But like, no, it was freaking hard because my feelings were very, very hurt. I took it so personally. And that's how I knew that there was some real truth and real work around that for me. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys have a really great relationship. So talking about relationships, how do you, what advice do you have for people in finding a partner that they can have great communication with and is on their same path? And if you're in a relationship, how to make sure that continues when you're staying in alignment with yourself and the other person? So relationship stuff is one of the, like the has become 
one of the big, big, big core parts of my work because um, it's so up for people, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, to really do that justice, like there's, there's, this is a this is a topic for like an entire podcast. I have two resources for anyone listening. Okay. I did two amazing, actually three, on my podcast. I have interviews with Terry Cole, Jordan Gray, and Andy Drish, and these are like my favorite conversations I've ever had about relationship. Cool. Um, with people who like work around it, who are in it, like there's so it's really interesting. I get really one of my pet peeves is. You know, a lot of women who do personal development work then go, well, there's no men. You know, like, where are the men? Um, but there's a lot of men out there. Like, I've even noticed this with my own partner. I think there's a lot of men out there, like, waiting for the woman who is going to actually push them and challenge them and call them to, like, step up. Because um, there's a lot of men, like, walking around right now who are, like, like man boys. And, and, and women, too. So many of us in, in certain areas – Emotionally, we're very young because we've never dealt with some of our stuff. And so, um, if you're naturally, if you're doing your work, you're going to attract a partner who's going to continue to help you evolve in that way. Uh, but there's there's a level of openness. I think there's a lot of people who get really victimy around meeting partners. Like, but I'm doing everything, or I read this book and I followed the steps. But it's like, yeah, but deep down in your core, are you actually open and available for it, or are you really actually still kind of scared? and putting up like energetic and emotional blocks. Um, so I say it with a lot of love, but if you are not finding the type of relationships and you're not meeting the type of people that you actually want to be with, um, the common denominator there is you. And so to look at where might I still be hiding or where might I still be unavailable or where might I be blocking this in my energy is really, really worth looking at. Um, and for a lot of people, that starts with uh, some forgiveness work around past relationships or even around like the relationships they grew up around. Most of us just didn't grow up with great models for relationships. Um, we grew up, a lot of us, seeing like broken homes or seeing like really, really codependent, like crappy, crappy behaviors. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of work to do around that. And like every relationship, I think one of the things that's been helpful for me in my journey with relationship is always to appreciate and get the lessons from my past relationships and to go, cool, that didn't work. What do I want next? Or like, or, or like really learn from the contrast of the experiences that I didn't want to help me get really clear about what I do want moving forward. And I also just firmly believe that the next one is always better. Um, not like the, not that the person is better or worse, but that's just like better suited for us, right? Because we're growing. And, and, and I think in our culture, we often see relationships ending as failure but like a bigger failure, and Neil Strauss says this in his new book, The Truth, the bigger failure is actually the relationship that lasts way too long because Ooh. that means that people are not being honest with themselves and not being honest with each other mm-hmm. rather than sometimes the bravest thing in the world is ending a relationship that you know isn't right. I walked away from a relationship in 2013 that was so good on paper, but I just like wasn't feeling it and neither was he. We were like, why are we doing this, you know? Yeah. So – um there's a lot, a lot of juicy stuff there. But again, it all comes back to the same stuff. When you are super connected to you and you trust, love, and accept yourself, you will always know. Like you'll always know exactly what you need to know to make the right and the best choices, whether that's taking some time to be on your own and give yourself some space um, to call in a partner 
whether it's, you know, to be more compassionate and forgiving with the people that are coming into your life and not be so attached sometimes to like the man list or like the dream, well, I need this, this and this, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's interesting. It's just, I think it's important always to remind people to really, really, really tend your own garden before you go like pointing fingers or being victimy about who's not coming into your life and who you're not meeting and why it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for sharing all of that. Can you tell us how you met your partner? Yeah, so I I met him actually, this is really funny, in March of 2012 in passing at a yoga class in New York City. We have a lot of mutual friends just when I had started dating my ex. And it's super great that we didn't really like drop in or I didn't really get to know him at all at that time because he was like a totally different person. I would have been completely turned off. Um, And then actually right as I was coming out of that former relationship in August of 2013, his blog posts and stuff. We were friends on Facebook, started mm-hmm. popping up in my newsfeed. And I was like, who is this guy? And at the time I was in Laguna Beach and he was in Oceanside in San Diego. And I sent him and um, our other friend Sam a message. And I was like, hey, like, I'd love to like connect with you guys. I could really use some man energy in my life right now. So there wasn't like, I was attracted and intrigued, but really I just, I wanted to be around more of the type of masculine energy I was wa- wanting to have in my life. And so um, we met up for lunch. And then just ended up like having like an epic weekend. I went up to LA with them. We did all like all, all this, all the story and stuff is in my book. If people want like the nitty gritty details yeah. and actually a lot of story of how we, we came to be together. Uh, Cause when I met him, he was still, he was traveling. He was a nomad for th- almost three years. And um, I was creating wild soul movement. Neither one of us is really in a place of wanting to commit, but stuff just kept happening that like just brought us closer and closer. I kept like setting boundaries with him when he would do things that like weren't cool with me. And um, I guess I was like the first woman to ever like say no to him really and really like set some boundaries and stand for myself. And he was like that kept pulling him in. He always talks about that, how like every time I would stand for myself, that made him want to come in closer um, because so many women he'd ever been with before had just let him walk all over them. And that's just boring. Uh, So, um, yeah, yeah. So super fun. So we knew we had mutual friends. And so we were kind of like connected. So, yeah, I haven't. I've never really dated. I always, I'm never, whenever I meet my partners, I'm not, I'm not like actively looking. That always happens for me. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that as a philosophy or a strategy, but that's just like been the case for me. it worked. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Cool. I was just curious about it. So now I want to ask my questions that I ask everyone, much like you do um, at the beginning of your show. So what does your morning routine look like or some things you do, maybe like the first thing things you do when you open your eyes in the morning and how that affects how the rest of your day goes? Um, so it's, it's my intention every morning to like do at least a little prayer, a little meditation, a little reflection before I look at any other technology or anything like that. But I'll be super honest. Sometimes I just don't and I like look at Instagram yeah. or I'll look at my email or something depending on what's going on. But um, I always get that in. Like that's super, super crucial for me. Some even if it's just like five minutes to just like sit and pray. When I'm home, I actually have an altar and I have incense and I like to light incense and I say a little prayer. I imagine that the smoke is like carrying my prayer up so it lands mm-hmm. wherever it needs to land. Um, I just like to breathe. I just like to be in my body and just like connect in the morning. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the most consistent thing. And then I have, I have some energy work that I do that also it's just like very short and efficient uh, that I love to do in the morning to start my day most days. Cool. 
What about in the evening on the other end of your day? What are some things you do to wrap up the day and relax at the end of a day? Um, I take a salt bath most nights of the week. Nice. I love baths, especially where I am right now where it's freezing. It's the best. Yeah. And even just like since I've been doing pole, I use, I'll use Epsom salts if like my muscles are sore, but I'll use regular table salt if it's more of like, I just want to like clear my energy field. Um, sometimes I mix the two. I still don't actually know if they negate each other. I'm just hoping that they don't. (laughs) Um, I'm not an expert, but I'm sure they don't. (laughs) I like to read before bed and I like to read something that's just like not intense. So I'm usually reading more than one book at once. So the book that I'll read before bed will be the one that's probably either more spiritually oriented, but not like self-help. So like right now I'm reading a book called Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, like stuff like that. I, uh, I love anything and everything to do with Jesus and Mary Magdalene is my total jam. So, um, yeah. And then I live with my partner. So sometimes there will be some kind of like snuggling or some other thing involved before bed, but not, that's not like a ritual or routine, but yeah, I just I like I do like to wind down though. Like I turn down the lights, I like chill out, I give myself a little bit of time so I can um I sleep really well because I do that. Mm, nice. I love that. So, some quick fire questions now. Just say like the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Yeah. Favorite color? Red. Favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Favorite hour of the day? That's not true. My favorite day of the week, I think, is Sunday. Favorite hour of the day? Uh-huh. God, I love the early morning. I love I, – I very rarely even set an alarm and I typically wake up between like 5 and 7. I love like when no one else is awake and it's me just too. me. I know. Love. It's a magic hour. I love it yeah. so much. Favorite vegetable? God. I want to say sweet potatoes even though it's a starch but um, – They're so good. They're so good. I'm just going to say sweet potatoes. I'm yeah. doing it. Favorite fruit? Mango. So good. Well, actually, coconut. Let's be serious. Coconuts are like <laughs> the greatest invention in the world. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. I mean, mangoes are great too, but yeah, they're both amazing. Those two put together, like blend it up or something. Oh, forget it. <laughs> What's the best thing, the best meal you've eaten recently, like in the last week, let's say? Hmm. This is a great question. I love Thai food actually last Thursday. So I love like a Penang curry, not too spicy. Mm. Um, and I've been recently eating less meat. So I just did a bunch of veggies. It was so good. Nice. What's your favorite part of your life right now? Oh, I love that. This is a really hard question. I just don't, I cannot pick one thing. I just really enjoy being me and I really love my life. Mm. Uh, I love, Yeah. I don't have an answer. That's it's perfect. Great. It's perfect. What are you most <laughs> curious about right now? All right. So this is super personal and it might be a little weird for some people, maybe not. So I mentioned a few minutes ago how like anything and everything related to Jesus and Mary Magdalene are like my, my jam. Mm-hmm. My 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 highest curiosity is why I feel so connected to Mary Magdalene. Mm. And and exploring that. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's super cool. When and where do you hear your intuition the loudest and what makes you remember to listen to it? Um, when I, when I pause, I, when I, when I pause and when I drop in or when something is just such an overwhelming yes or a no that it's just like alarms are going off in my body. 
like like last year when I met my coach Jesse that I felt like I got like punched in the heart and it was like this explosion I was like okay you got my attention um, and I, t- I typically will feel things most in my heart or in my belly mm, nice so you do so much rad stuff and you're helping so many people how do you stay organized to show up fully for your life any practical tips on being present and organized while also <laughs> getting lots done Organization is not my strong suit. In the moment I'm reading that book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I will say this though, I have an amazing right-hand operations girl. She helps me. I surround myself with people who are good at the things that I'm not is really my answer. Like I know what I'm not good at and I'm not constantly trying to strengthen my weaknesses. I double, triple, quadruple down on my strengths and um, to the extent that I can, I surround myself with amazing support in the places where I'm not organized. So for example, like, we have a house mom. She like comes in, she cooks, she cleans, she runs some errands. She's amazing. That's enormously helpful and takes a whole category of things that I don't have to think about um, so I could be more available and present in my own life. Um, but even things like um, I use, I love my Desire Map Planner from Danielle Laporte. Um, and even before I had this planner, I, I used a similar system to just like, I'm a pen and paper kind of girl. I need to like write things down and I need to see them. So I'll make like big picture stuff, like my big like master. I have a big whiteboard with like master to-do list and then like the daily like day-to-day things. Um, And you had this experience. You firsthand know how disorganized I am because this is the fourth time we had to schedule (laughs) this interview because I kept messing it up. So I do my best to like stay up on my cool We made it happen. We made it happen. Um, But yeah, so I have a, you know, I, I resisted systems for a really long time. But there's a lot of magic in structure and systems. Like it's it's great to be in your feminine, but we need that masculine balance too, so we could actually be productive, functional human beings in yeah. society. Yeah, I agree, and I'm the same way. I love that. So this is perfect for what you said about being a pen and paper person. So my work is really around journaling, and that was a really huge tool for me. So have you had an experience with journaling? Does journaling and writing about your feelings is that a way that you ever process your emotions what yes. are your thoughts on journaling I am such a journaler ever since I was a little kid actually like I always I remember had my first diary had like dopey the dwarf on it but nice. um and I'm actually looking like straight ahead of me I do journal and now that I write so much and now that I've written a book and and and, and last year I did a year in review this is like 34 page pdf um I I journal more intentionally as well and I keep my journals and I date everything so when I need to look back like I uh, because I don't have a great memory Uh, so that's part of like part of being in the moment I think uh, you don't have a great memory because you're just like present and not trying to focus on like what happened before or whatever you know or trying to future trip so yeah I do I journal probably almost every day Um, even if it's you know what you know what I love to journal? I love to write out my prayers. So um, I I journal out appreciations almost every day. I journal out like what I'm really wanting and what I'm really calling in. That's my way of like visioning and calling things forward um, as I write them out. Yeah, when I'm really upset about something, I will totally write it out because I like to get things out and I like to process things a little bit on my own before I take it to wherever I need to take it to address it. Um, because I just know how not helpful it was for me for so much of my life to not do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you. My book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. And yeah. it's 
been the best tool for me to process how I'm feeling and really sort out all the different voices and thoughts in my mind and figure right. out what I want to listen to and see it. And it makes it the, the prayer thing I really like because to me it legitimizes the way that I'm feeling and what I'm wanting when I put it down on paper, which I love. That's right. And it also helps me realize when I'm being totally like delusional or irrational and like out of it. But it's, it's just as important to get that stuff out too. Yeah, totally. Okay, so just a few more fun questions. So you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one person, one TV show to binge watch, one movie, one food, go, and one book. Say it again. So person, TV show, movie, book, and food. I could take one person with me. Mm-hmm. I would take my boyfriend, Michael Rostowski. One TV show? Yep. Um, it would have to be hilarious. Uh, I would go Chappelle show. Nice. Movie? You know what's real funny? I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to mind, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you love Mary Poppins? Is that one of your I favorite I love movies? Mary Poppins. Oh, good. I love that. I was going to say, I, I hope so, or it's just like a really random choice to bring with you. I'm yeah, so no. glad. Um, favorite or the food that you'd bring that you wouldn't get sick of? Coconut, maybe? I guess those would probably be there. Coconut <laughs> would be so useful, but like I don't know how this would be logistically possible, but I'm just going to say sushi. I don't think I nice. would ever get the sushi. Nice. And the book that you would want to keep reading? Uh, the Book of Love by Kathleen McGowan. Nice. Amazing. What advice would you give your younger self? All right. I, I love this question um, and I love this. My answer stands. I say the same thing every time people ask this question. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because if she were to do anything even marginally different than she did, I would not be me yeah. exactly the way I am here right now. And, and I love this. So I just, I just wouldn't. I would just say, hey, I love you. That's it. Best answer. That's amazing. What about your older self? So what would you tell your 100-year-old self? <sighs> I have no idea. My mind's just super blank. My um, 100-year self. I think I would just say like – I feel like I'd probably – I'm so you curious. You did good. You know? I'd want to know so many things. I'd like have so many questions. But um, uh, the thing that just comes to mind is thank you. Mm, that's beautiful. Love Thanks. that. What do you think happens when we die? Oh, my God. <laughs> I like this question. Uh, it's so funny. You've gotten two questions about this today. Um, I mean, I really do believe in, in reincarnation. Here we go. I mean, I totally believe in past lives. I never did until I read the book, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters. But I totally believe in reincarnation. Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know where my soul goes. I believe, you know, my physical body, like, you know, gets buried or gets cremated or whatever. But I super believe that my soul, soul lives on. And so the specifics of it, where it goes, what happens in between, I don't. But I definitely believe that my soul goes on. Cool. Very cool. So we're having a dinner party, or you're having a dinner party, and you can invite five people. Who would you invite? What would you make? And what do you hope someone turns and asks you? And what do you hope that no one asks you that you just don't feel like talking about at your dinner party? Um, 
so that last question, I, I could anyone can ask me anything whenever they want because I'm super good with boundaries. So if I don't want to talk about it, I'll just say okay. so. <laughs> I don't care what anyone asks me. What do I hope someone asks me? I hope someone asks me. Um, I, I just love the question, what's alive for you right now? Mm. I, I love that question. Um, five people I would invite – Mary Magdalene. Oh man, no, I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't want to be share her. I'd want to. I'd want to like sit down with have a one on one. Yeah, five people I would invite. You know, I'm just gonna go super super basic. If I was gonna have a dinner party right now, I would just wanna. I miss my family. I haven't seen them in a while. I think I'd invite my mom, my dad, my brother. You know what? I'd invite my grandpa. I'd want, I'd want my grandpa back, and then I'd invite Michael because I'd like Michael to meet my grandpa. Mm, that's perfect. Love that. So this has been a blast. Thank you so much for being here. I want to ask you my final question, but first just honor you because this was such an amazing conversation, and I think the world of you, Elizabeth. So thank you for being here. Thank you. This is super fun. Yay. And the final question, as you know, the name of this podcast in my blog is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? Uh, just fun. I just I imagine fun. I actually picture a Candyland board. <laughs> so it's, it feels like really colorful to me. Cool. Um, just like colorful, bright, vibrant. Love it. And wonder. I love the word wonder, right? Because I, I, I love the concept. I talk about this all the time of being in a place of like joyous expectancy and childlike wonder. So yeah, living living from that place of like kind of kind of like innocence and curiosity and not letting life like jade you you know totally i love it thank you so much for that and everything else that you shared and thank i hope you. That everyone checks out your book because it's amazing i'm going to go buy it right after we get off this call and check out your website wild soul movement and you're amazing thanks for being here thank you bye So that's our episode this week with Elizabeth D'Alto. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week on the podcast, Talia, my friend from Party in My Plants, is on the podcast. So I will see you then. Make sure you're subscribed and on my email list. And just thank you guys so much for listening. I think you're awesome. I really love recording this podcast. Lots of big interviews scheduled, lots of live episodes that I want to do, and just lots of good things ahead, I think, for the Let It Out podcast, for me, for you, for everyone in the world, I hope. I think we kind of need that with everything going on in the world. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think so. All right, talk to you soon. <laughs>